Tyrone called from his car across the parking lot, Pastor, and I knew he had been in the food bank line since 5 a.m. It was 7.30 and I walked over to his car. He had his Bible open to the prophet Isaiah. Weeks into the Mid-South food bank distribution, I'm beginning to know people by name. In Tyrone's Bible, the words, fear not, were highlighted in pink. He held it up above the steering wheel and, and almost out the window, not quite at a social distance, and he said, fear not. That's what the word says. He and our member, Elizabeth Allrutz, have been sharing scripture together for the past few weeks. They have a brief Bible study as she collects his forms and marks his windshield. And I was getting a preview of this week's lesson. Tyrone looked at me and he said, you know I'm not here for me, but for my neighbors, because it says here, do not fear. I responded because I know that passage from Isaiah because it's been an important passage of scripture for my life. I responded to Tyrone, and when you pass through the waters, they shall not overwhelm you. And without pause, he continued, because the Almighty says, you are precious in my sight. I have redeemed you and you are honored and I love you because you are mine. There we were having another Bible study. Pastor Sarah often ends her prayers with the phrase, for the living of these days. Tyrone and I, strangers becoming neighbors, were sharing words for the living of these days. And in reality, in a marginal spot, a food bank parking lot praying together for the living of these days. It is Jesus who teaches us how to pray. In that parking lot, we believed it. Strangers becoming neighbors, connecting us, binding us, claiming us, that's what God does. This last week in this series on the Lord's Prayer, we have the phrase from Matthew, and do not bring us to the time of trial, but rescue us from the evil one. Maybe you're more familiar with the Luke passage, which is, and lead us not into temptation. Or maybe you're more familiar with the King James translation, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Lead us not into temptation, rescue us from evil. You know, Genesis plants language for us of Adam and Eve being tempted and eating of that forbidden fruit way, way beyond temptation and into the evil of being turned away from God and only towards themselves. God asked, where are you and what is this that you have done? God does not lead anyone into temptation. We get there all 
on our own. It's in our human nature to be led astray. In fact, in Matthew, this text is better translated from the Aramaic this way. Don't let us be seduced by the appearance of something that leads to agitation, that diverts us from the purpose of our lives. Neil Douglas Klotz describes the translation of Jesus' words, lead us not into temptation, as our failure to look deeper when the situation calls for it. When we lapse into temptation, we are diverted from God's good purpose for our lives. We fail to look deeply at what God would have us to see. In the Gospel of Luke, it's a lawyer who tests Jesus. The lawyer asks, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus responds with the greatest commandment. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. Love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus models this love in his ministry and with the whole of his life. It leads him to the cross. He demonstrates the value of each member of God's family, especially those who have been excluded, objectified, oppressed, and systematically dehumanized. For a man born blind, Jesus smears mud on his eyes and sends him to the pool of Siloam, and that man sees. For one sheep that is lost, Jesus tells his disciple that in a herd of 100, the one who is lost must and needs to be found. And for a woman bleeding for years, she reaches out and she just touches the hem of Jesus' garment. And he is surprised and she is made well and restoration begins. We affirm that Jesus is Lord. Jesus went to the edges, to the margins, to practice his ministry. He intentionally went to places of suffering and pain, to places of exclusion, and he advocated for the least of these. Jesus often lifted up specific groups of people, women, the poor, lepers, the blind, because they had been deemed inherently less worthy by the dominant culture and had even been objectified and set out to the margins by the religious authorities. By Jesus lifting up these specific groups, he states with his life and with his healing mercy that each is a beloved child of God, a part of God's family with a God-given purpose. I believe that the greatest temptation that we face is creating structures that separate ourselves from others, thus making them invisible as neighbors. I believe that the predominantly white Presbyterian church, our church, is being called to look deeper. When we fail to see prayers pieced together, justice awakening, and the seeds of restoration, 
We do not see where we have been tempted by the greatest evil. In 1 Corinthians, Paul reminds the people, if one member suffers, all suffer together with it. And if one member is honored, all rejoice together with it. This week, I have heard sarcastic messages that have come in on the church uh, machine. One of these sarcastic messages was sung. It said, people, purple lives matter too. Mocking the sign, black lives matter. And also, I've heard this week through tears, Thank you, Idlewild, for your sign, Black Lives Matter. As a church, I know that Idlewild has a long history, at least 55 years of engagement in human and civil rights in Memphis. And because of our mission as the church to personify, to pursue and practice the good news of reconciliation in Jesus Christ, someone has said it's in our DNA. In the story of the Good Samaritan, when a human being is left for dead, the person who's left in that ditch was invisible to the people who called themselves religious. Those who passed by on the other side, they didn't feel that person's pain nor their suffering. They just crossed on over without any action. And about this story, Jesus asks, who was the neighbor? And Jesus hears, well, the one who showed mercy. And Jesus challenged then and challenges us now, go and do likewise. All of our churches have a long history for staking a claim in gospel ministry of showing mercy We are congregations who go and do. The going and doing might look differently, but we are a faithful people. At Idlewild, we most frequently point to our legacy of seating African Americans in our sanctuary, and we point to our historical and early integrated recreation program and the more than a meal ministry which celebrated 20 years this year. And our legacy includes much more. The Pope School, the Half and Half Coffee House, and the Dorsey Daycare Center. On June 7th this summer, we invited historian and member Perry Magnus to speak at our adult forum to tell stories about our church from the 1960s. Perry carried in with her a chart to that meeting, but she knows that chart by heart. She can tell you that in 1954, the year that Brown versus the Board of Education declared school segregation illegal, Memphis Mayor E.H. Crump died, and it was the year when Dr. Paul Tudor Jones came to Idlewild. She told us specifically in this adult forum about the Reverend Dr. Bill Aldridge, who came to Idlewild in 1966. He helped rally the community religious leaders in Midtown to form the Half and Half Coffee House, which drew in unexpected folk, those who were experimenting with drugs, 
those who served in the military in Millington, and those who had been made poor. That organizing spirit that Dr. Aldridge had led him two years later in 1968 to march to City Hall and to read a letter that was written on Idlewild Stationery confronting then-Mayor Henry Loeb about the condition of the garbage workers. Reverend Aldridge pushed the church to look deeper. In that adult forum, Perry mused about the church, that our legacy also includes some stories that we don't always tell. She wondered aloud with us about the quiet dismissal of Dr. Aldridge, who'd pushed too hard for the human and civil rights of the striking garbage workers. And to this day, on the hallowed hallways where pastoral portraits hang, Reverend Aldridge is not pictured. It's difficult to learn hard truths about your church. There's an awakening in realizing that you're part of a system that has worked very hard, but that it's imperfect. Perry's suggestion that there was more to our history led me to the archives, where I've read about a decade's worth of church session minutes, and I even reached out to speak to Dr. Aldridge's widow. In the session minutes, I found both the positive DNA characteristics of gospel work, but I also found some clear evidence of systemic racism. Our integrated recreation program did not happen overnight, nor the first time that it was suggested to the session. Our session struggled with the loss of membership and dollars because of the seating of African Americans. Our session heatedly debated and even had a hearing of a letter from the congregation's young adults that, were signed by, that was signed by 75 people asking for action in the Garber garbage workers' strike. They asked in their letter, the challenge of this crisis must be held within the church, not outside. Our session sought to censure the action of the committee that Dr. Aldridge led. The letter that he had written and read with the committee of the presbytery was published in the press scimitar. He demanded of the mayor that this is a deep and moral issue and the dignity of human beings is being threatened and he was asked to leave. It was a hard time, and in the end, a pastor was dismissed, though his widow Elizabeth whispered to me on the phone what others whispered to her at their farewell reception. Thank you. We support you. None of this comes easy. We are led to confess 
and to lament because our greatest temptation is to create structures, systems, cultural norms which make it easier to not see or feel or hear the pain of our neighbors. Yet now is the time. To God be all glory, now and forever. Amen.